0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor podcast with Josh Nelson. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with Jeremy Bush, a certified financial planner, And he and I discussed a lot of important stuff during our forecast 2022 webinar presentation recorded on February 17th, 2022. Notably, we talked about the market and the economy and really what experts are saying that might guide where we're going through the remainder of the year. But first, this episode is brought to you by Keystone Financial Services, a top wealth management firm based in the land of love, Loveland, Colorado. At Keystone Financial Services, we are here to provide unbiased advice and guidance. Our goal is to replace uncertainty with confidence And clarity when it comes to planning for your financial future. Take the guesswork out of your financial future today. Schedule a free initial conversation with one of our certified financial planners by visiting KeystoneFinancial.com. That's KeystoneFinancial.com. Recovery, uh, which continues to to go right, this is something that uh, you know I think is going to play itself out over years, not just months or quarters, like we once hoped. Uh, this has really had a pretty far-reaching impact on the global economy, and it, it's not all bad, right? There have been some things that have come from it that have been good, and I think a lot of companies, a lot of families, even uh, certainly have had some tragic things that have happened, some bad things that have happened as a result of the pandemic, but also lots of good stuff that's happened too that uh, that we can be grateful for. And here at Keystone, again, we've, uh, you know, I think we've always used education. We've always used technology to be able to communicate with our clients where they're around the country and different states. We want to make sure that this is available to you and your friends and coworkers and the replay is available as well afterwards. So employment did make steady gains in 2021. Um, These numbers, uh, to update these a little bit, now we're down to 3.9% unemployment. And if you talk to just about any business owner that you know right now, their biggest challenge, they can't find enough workers to come in and to hire. A lot of times we talk about these supply chain things, but part of the supply chain issue actually is people. Not having the enough people, not enough dock workers, not enough people that are able to, to you know pull the trucks up and load them and kind of go off to get supplies to where they need to be. Uh, That really is a big part of the supply chain issues that we've been having. As you can see, the, the percentages vary by men and women and different races and so forth. But overall, that unemployment rate is really, really low right now to the extent in the U.S. that we're considered a full employment. In other words, most people that want a job can get a job. Just to be clear, these never these numbers never go to zero. Full employment is actually considered usually up in the three, four, five percent range. Up until the late '90s, full employment was actually considered to be five percent, and now we've gone even lower than that. Uh, so what that means is that again, businesses are having a hard time uh, getting employees. This is something that is going to play itself out, and, and will regardless of the pandemic. Uh, the labor force particip- uh, labor force participation that you can see on this slide shows that we're down to 61.8% labor force participation. And the reason why I want to focus on that number is that that's something that's been going down anyway, Uh, because really you've got about 10,000 people a day right now in the U.S. turning age 65. That's the baby boom. And you'll continue to have that for some time. That's a lot of people probably about ready to leave the workforce if they haven't already. And the reason why For many of you, you automatically think Medicare because Medicare is starting at age 65. Many people wait until that age, until they get Medicare benefits before they retire because it's really, really expensive to go out and buy health insurance on your own when it's completely out of pocket. Medicare usually is much less expensive than whatever it would be that you would get on the open market. So for a lot of people, that is the trigger point. Also, we've seen a couple of other unintended things. The fact that the stock market has done pretty darn well, and the real estate market has done pretty darn well the last couple of years. It's actually made people feel, whether they are or not, uh, it's made people feel a lot wealthier and a lot more wanting to retire and kind of move on and do some other stuff. So that's one challenge that we've been having anyway. We were already having it before. If COVID had never happened, we'd still be having this challenge, especially in the U.S. because we haven't had enough population growth for years and years. We're barely replacing ourselves. So unless we start having a lot more babies really soon or we allow a lot more immigration, we're going to continue to see a challenge of not enough workers and not enough workers of the right ages too, right, or or of working age. So this will continue to be a challenge as always, especially in the United States. Uh, Oftentimes the solution to any kind of a big problem is technology and innovation. So we'll continue to watch that. So keep in mind that there's a big shift right now, um, and also from a training standpoint, it may not be a four-year college degree that somebody needs to fill the positions. It could be that if somebody is going to be a a plumber or electrician, they just haven't had the proper training. And lots of discussion happening about that right now. Now, inflation, we're going to talk about a, a bit here, and many questions come up about inflation best definition of inflation really is just too many dollars chasing too few goods. So that's what we're going to really hammer on here in a second, because that's profoundly going to make a difference as far as where the economy is going and how the Fed reacts to inflation. And as you can see from Mohamed Al-Aryan, used to be the manager over at PIMCO and Allianz, one of the largest asset managers in the world, uh, somebody we pay a lot of attention to. He did say recently that the Fed's delayed and slow reaction to inflationary pressures, has unfortunately increased the probability that it will have to slam on the brakes. And I think this is where we're you know, getting to, right, uh, as far as what the Fed's going to do by raising rates very quickly after tapering and at a more aggressive pace than it would have if it had started to tighten policy earlier. And that's our view as well. That's where you've seen a lot of volatility. Yeah, with that, Jeremy is going to take over here. In just a second, uh, ultimately, I think the Fed and their policies, it could be too slow and too fast. That's what we're concerned about right now is can they get it just right? And if they don't, there are big consequences either way.
1: They got some interesting uh, things that they do. And primarily what they do is you know, they will either buy or sell um, U.S. Treasury bonds, things of that nature to banks. Uh, if they're buying them from banks, basically, they're giving the banks cash. Uh, the amount of cash that their bank has, if it increases, they have the ability to lend more money to people. And thus, if people are being lent more money, then they have more money to spend. Uh, Really, 70% of the uh, United States markets are people like you and me spending money, you know, 70% of that. So if people like us have money to spend, that's a good thing for the market. But also, that's where if we have too much money to spend, maybe, um, not enough goods to spend that money on. That's when issues start to happen there, right? Another huge thing going forward, and we see this every day, right? Is um, the geopolitical standpoint of things. Uh, we could we could easily add on, uh, you know, China, uh, Russia, and Ukraine right now. Uh, that's kind of throwing in a quite a bit of uncertainty uh, in the markets. It does have some lasting effects as it's going, uh, you know, as it's over there. But uh, really, this one's talking about China. And of course, China being a huge part of the uh, world economy here, uh, their economic growth is slowing. They're uh, seeing a lot more regulatory enforcement. Uh, The really kind of key thing that the market is seeing as far as China here is uh, that kind of third bullet point down, Chinese companies delisting. Uh, overall, there's about $1.5 trillion of Chinese money and Chinese company uh, in the New York Stock Exchange. That's a pretty big chunk, right? Uh, and in order to get on the, the New York Stock Exchange, typically companies have to you know, prove their value, prove their worth. They do this through financial statements. Uh, they have to do it up front, and then they literally have to do it quarterly every year, and then annual statements as well. Now, what's happening is Chinese officials are basically refusing to allow access to these Chinese company financials. And so the New York Stock Exchange is saying, hey, either pony up on these financials or we are going to delist de- your $1.5 trillion of Chinese companies on here. Uh, so they've never in the past, until now, have really started withholding these kings. They're calling them state secrets uh, for all these Chinese uh, companies. But It it is an issue in listings of foreign markets. Uh, So that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on as we're moving forward. Uh, You know, we're not throwing a whole lot of money into uh, uh, Chinese stocks by any means at this point. Uh, But uh, definitely, every portfolio has international holdings. So it's things like this that we kind of got to keep an eye on moving forward and see how it plays out. It's going to be an ongoing saga.
0: Yeah, and for anybody who's feeling left out, like, hey, I think I should have stuff invested in China. Believe me, you've got stuff invested in China. We all do, right? Global companies that we invest in or, or spend money at, there is a tie to China because they do the, the um, uh, you know largest amount of manufacturing that we have right now. So many, many companies are intertangled, right? And you've got Chinese exposure, whether you know it or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then, of course, bond yields. So this is the other kind of function of uh, the Fed as well, or another tool that they use is interest rate increases. And so uh, when we had given this, it was probably be a couple weeks ago now, um, the Fed had just had a meeting and they had signaled that uh, of the two things that they do, which is either buying or selling bonds back to banks uh, and raising interest rates, Uh, They weren't going to raise interest rates yet, just yet, but they did signal that they were going to stop buying more bonds and things from banks, and they were going to let whatever bonds they do have on the books mature, thus kind of taking more money out of the bank's hands. They've already started doing the bond thing. There is another meeting coming up here in about the middle of March. Everybody's pretty much guessing that they are going to make some kind of interest rate hike, but we don't know exactly what that's going to like, look like yet. If it's going to be a quarter point, half a point, three quarter point, really, what that last meeting uh, suggested is taking steps to pare it down a little bit, but we're afraid to get too aggressive too fast. Again, is that the right path? You know, there's uh, economists are split. Some say it's it's too little, too late right now. Uh, Some say don't get going too fast. This is where the art form of the Fed really comes into play is, uh, you know, can they ride that line right down the middle where uh, they're not pushing it too fast, but they're also not uh, falling too far behind. We're going to see some interest rates rise. Uh, If history has anything to say about it, the Fed usually goes a little bit too long and gets a little bit too aggressive at some point and then forces us into a bit of a recession, Uh, at At which point kind of the market and the economy correct itself.
0: Oftentimes there's a big period of prosperity afterwards, even with all the data and artificial intelligence and everything that we've got as far as tools now, still there's way too many factors, way too many unknowns to be able to be really precise about this. So yep. we'll see what happens. Not every six weeks or so they meet, and we're expecting that it's going to be a half point increase in March. Uh, but we'll see. You know, there's a lot that can change. For example, knock on wood. Let's say that there's an invasion, you know, of Ukraine by Russia, and it royals. The global stock markets, global money supply, I think you are going to see that the Fed takes a hard look at that and decides maybe we want to be a little bit easier. So these are the things that you don't want to bet on. In other words, these are things that you don't want to try to time the market based off of these things. I think people are looking a little bit more altruistically about the market, about the economy. One big theme that really has been pushed pretty hard over the last few years has been ESG investing, which stands for environmental, social, and governance investing. What that means is that instead of just looking at the dollars and cents, it's looking at other factors, and there's lots of them. More and more investment portfolios and experts are looking to this to guide some of the investment decisions. The reason for that. Number one is to align investment strategies with their organizational values for whoever you're looking at, in other words, and values can be very different from organization to organization. Uh, To influence corporate behavior, you may have heard of that, activist investing, that's nothing new, but uh, especially big investment portfolios sometimes can have some big sway over corporate decisions. Uh, To minimize headline risk, uh, to generate higher risk-adjusted returns, of course, we always want to see that. Uh, right? People don't invest in something because they don't want to make money. We want to make money. And then finally, to make a better world. And you'll notice that more and more portfolios and companies are incorporating this in their strategies. We actually do have an ESD-only strategy for those of you who are interested, if that's important. The good news is that you can do it in a very cost-effective way. Now, we're actually seeing better performance and very, very low-cost ways of doing that. So let us know if that's something that you want to talk about or somebody you know wants to talk about. So the business... Yeah, go ahead.
1: And honestly, too, Josh, what we've seen is over the past couple of years, we've been seeing regular, you know, non ESG portfolios start to include ESG holdings um, in them just because those ESG holdings have been doing better than their non ESG alternatives.
0: We definitely have more people that are younger that are bringing that up as a topic, and it's it's great that that can be accommodated. Other thing to note is that ESG investing isn't at all size fits all, right? For some people, ESG means something different from somebody else. The Business Roundtable survey uh, found that CEOs expect the economy to grow by 3.9% year over year in 2022, which sounds great. The other thing to keep in mind is that if inflation is running at six, seven, eight percent and economic growth of 3.9%, that doesn't sound so good, does it? It actually means that you're going backwards. Again, from the business roundtable, here are some of the concerns, the things that are coming up as far as the positives and the negatives. One of those is that companies expect to hire more employees if they can find them. Um, increased capital investment, that's an area that uh, all the extra earnings that companies seem to be reporting right now, is going to go uh, to grow sales and then benefit from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. You might remember that legislation that passed last year. That money will not come out all at once, but some companies expect to benefit from that. Some of the concerns, COVID-19, of course, is still here. This is not going away, but I don't know that it's going to have as big of an impact as it has really the last couple of years. Again, some of that's been good. Labor costs, again, that could be a challenge. That also can drive inflation, We're all having to pay more for stuff. And we're seeing that in a very big way right now. And then tax increases. That's one thing to keep in mind is that even even though we haven't seen any broad tax increases here recently, and there were some proposals, right, that we're going to see tax rates this year, we didn't see it uh, pass. The Build Back Better plan would have changed the tax code uh, fairly drastically. In fact, many people would have seen tax increases. But that doesn't mean you're out of the woods. Uh, If you look back to the legislation that was passed back in 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, many of those tax cuts were not permanent tax cuts. They uh, actually would phase out, and we're starting to come up to some of those years, right, where some of these tax breaks and tax reductions were going to be expiring. That's something we're going to be watching very closely, as well as legislation. So geopolitics, we talked about that. Ukraine certainly is on here. Uh, That's in the headlines every day right now. Can you make investment decisions based off of this stuff? Not really. You know, If you made your investment decisions based off of geopolitical stuff, you'd probably never invest in anything. Maybe Russia invades Ukraine. Will it have a big impact on the market and the economy globally? Yep, it, it certainly would. But it also might not happen at all. I mean, the bottom line is there is bad stuff that ends up happening. Sometimes it impacts the market, sometimes it doesn't. So a couple of, uh, we like smart people. We like to uh, pay attention to some experts. Couple of of smart people here at the end that are quoted. Overall, uh, the BGRI shows a significant reduction in concern about geopolitical risk. We actually at Keystone, we actually see that as, as a bad thing uh, because if people don't have concerns, it's kind of like Warren Buffett's quote you should be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Uh, well, you know, if, if people's concerns are way down about geopolitical stuff right now, I see that as a little bit of a warning sign. Uh, but I think it's better to be fearful. In other words, when everybody else says, oh, everything is great, mm, maybe time to think about that and at least have that in the back of your mind. It could be that the market hasn't fully priced in some of these geopolitical risks that could actually come into play. There are a lot of great technologies that are coming down the pike, and many of you guys are working on this, right, at your companies and 3D uh, bone implants and 3D organ printing in general, that stuff is coming right now. And even in 2022, uh, right now, they're predicting that there are two companies that actually will start using 3D printed bones and that it'll be widely available. So you think about that and then go another step and think about organ replacement. How many people have died as far as waiting for a kidney, being on these organ donation lists, if we're able to do this, and they think they can, uh, they're, they're actually... Uh, quite confident that they'll be able to 3D print our own organs. There won't be any re- re- rejections, right? It's our own DNA. So there won't be any rejections and people won't have to uh, be on waiting list to be able to get a new kidney or any other kind of you know organ replacement. So you know, keep in mind that these are things that could just fundamentally change the game. It will change the game. Think about why people have died in the past and some of the technologies, the medical advancements that are coming that could cure major stuff like Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer. We've already basically able to, you know, if we catch them early enough, most cancers right now are very treatable or curable. So uh, just keep in mind that there are some good stuff out there as well, uh, mostly with technology that will end up driving these um, solutions to problems. VR workouts, I don't know how many of you have been on some type of a virtual reality, augmented reality type of technology. You know, Meta, they changed the name to Facebook, uh, from Facebook to Meta, talking about the Metaverse. So we're trying to wrap our minds around what that means exactly. But new VR headsets with fitness features are now coming out in 2022, uh, full workouts, in other words, that you can do in virtual reality. To me, that sounds a little bit dangerous. Uh, We want to be a little bit careful, right, if we're running around and doing exercises with goggles on our face. But right now we laugh about it. But how many other things did we laugh about uh, years ago that are now commonplace? You know, the stuff that's coming, you know, again, we kind of laugh at it, but it could be things that are very commonplace in the future. So ultimately, where's the economy going? Nobody really knows, but we do have some guesses at least. Uh, This expert here, actually, uh, we said before 3.9% the business roundtable as far as economic growth this year. uh, This person's saying 4.5%. This year, we're hearing numbers anywhere between 3% to 5% from most uh, people right now, most experts. We think that's almost a certainty at this point that we're going to have a very tight labor market going forward. That's a good thing in a lot of ways because people can get jobs. Right now, I think a lot of the economic struggles that we're having is trying to get people back to work because many people retired early or other people have figured out, hey, we used to place a lot of value on maybe both spouses working full time. Now one of them might be working part time from home or not even at all. So a lot of situations have changed where people have either permanently or temporarily left the labor market. And then finally, macroeconomic backdrops that include slower growth and tightening monetary policy. This is from our friends over at Schwab. Uh, but really, that uh, the whole point here is that they're not recommending that people get out of the market. They're not recommending people get in the market. What they're recommending is discipline. And that's what really, I think, if anything, if you've got a great investment advisor, a great financial planner uh, like us, is that we're going to be able to inject some discipline into the investment decisions that you're making. Things that sometimes are very boring, like diversification and sticking to an investment strategy that works over time, really, that could be a lot, more de- a lot more beneficial to you as opposed to doing detrimental things like putting your exit. Eggs- all in one basket. The way we protect ourselves is diversification and being very careful about the risk level that we're taking in your portfolio. But just know that your team is here. We're here to help you from a financial planning standpoint, again, to make sure that your portfolio is right for you. The investment moves, the financial moves that you're making are right for you. That's our role as a fiduciary. And being certified financial planners, that is our role uh, legally as well. We have to give you advice that's in your best interest. That's why you'd go to any financial advisor, you would think, but we actually have a legal obligation to do that is a certified financial planner, acting as a fiduciary. We don't work for a big brokerage firm. We're independent, meaning that we work for you. So ultimately, that's what we are looking at as far as our motivation. wanted to open it up for Q&A right now. Jeremy, what do we have?
1: The one that we have right now, Josh, is you kind of hinted at it, crypto. You know, What's our take on it? Are we using it in current portfolios, et cetera, right now?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, In fact, it's uh, funny that that question comes up because we actually did an interview with Bill Barheit, who's the founder and CEO of Abra, which is a big cryptocurrency platform. What we want to do is educate you because it is having a profound impact on the markets. We're not recommending that at this time to clients. Uh, It's just too darn volatile. So not to minimize it at all, it's having an impact on markets. We're watching it, but it's not something that we're actually recommending at this time that people put their money into.
1: We do have one on here. That's how is Keystone outpacing other financial investment firms?
0: Yeah, good question. I mean, every everybody's portfolio is going to be a little bit different, right? Uh, we gear everything to a risk number. And for those of you who have, uh, both those of you who have been working at, uh, with us for a while, you know that everybody has a risk number. Uh, that's from a risk assessment that each person takes. And that risk number is what we're basing your portfolio off of as far as how we build it, because we're trying to get just the right amount of of risk for you with what you're comfortable with and then trying to get as much return as we possibly can based on that risk level. So that's what we're measuring against is off of your own individual risk score. Now, do we look at things like the overall markets as far as the S&P 500 and the Dow and looking at how portfolios do relative to the rest of the market? Absolutely. We're always measuring that stuff, and we show you that during your your, uh, financial reviews. But overall, most of our portfolios are uh, based off of index funds or ETFs we use as investment vehicles. That doesn't mean we're restricted to that. We can use mutual funds. We can use individual stocks, bonds, real estate investment trusts, many, many things that are in our wheelhouse. But oftentimes, we will be tracking broad markets and using the research that we've got in our own knowledge of your situation to build your portfolio. We have a recorded version of this on our YouTube channel. Easiest way to find that, just go to keystonefinancial.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see our social media links And by clicking on our YouTube channel, you'll see our archive of past presentations, as well as this one. Always want you to share this as well. Any uh, family members, friends that couldn't listen to it today, make sure you pass this on because ultimately that is our goal in doing these educational events. Really, I think right now we're so much short on wisdom out there. There's a gazillion pieces of information. So I think that's why there's so much confusion in the financial world right now. We really try to cut through all of that and really encapsulate it with how it applies to your financial life. But that being said, thanks for joining us. Uh, For those of you who are clients, thank you for your business. For those of you who are not clients, thank you for your future business. And we hope you have a great day. And for those of you who are enjoying the Wiser Financial Advisors show and podcast, please make sure that you're sharing this out to your friends, your coworkers, your family. We are growing like crazy and having fun at it. So please share this out. Also, it helps us to quick subscribe on your favorite podcast service, whether that's Spotify or Pandora or Google or Apple, wherever you're listening to this. Make sure you hit subscribe and also give us a rating. Hopefully you give us a good rating, but give us a rating because that helps us out as well. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offer through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.